Worship team, you can have a seat. Welcome, everyone. It's good to have you here with us. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to have you with us today. A very special day. As uh, Joe mentioned earlier, we've got a great time for you out back. It's going to be a little warm, but we got plenty of shade out there. And if you're really, really hot, well, you can take my place in the dunk tank. I'll, I'll, I'll let that go for you. Uh, hey, a uh, lot of people... Actually, let me rephrase that. A few people have worked really, really hard to make this happen. Some of them might be in here in this room. Some of them are probably out there still working away. But if you are in this room and you have been serving in any way, shape, or form to pull this thing off today, would you just uh, quickly just stand up real quick? We just want to recognize you. Come on. Don't be shy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is going to be fun. It's going to be very fun. Some of you know that I did uh, student ministry for many, many years uh, before coming to Bethany, and uh, it, was a, it was fun. It was fun. I love young people. I love that we have kids in the service with us this morning. But there, I was thinking back to one particular time before a youth group event, uh, there were some kids that came in, and being the good youth pastor that I thought I was, I was trying to be really relevant and reach out to these kids. And so I asked them... Are you excited about the new Star Wars movie that's coming out, the new trailer that, that was just released? And they said, yeah, yeah. And I, I was really surprised. They didn't seem that excited. And then they said, but have you seen, have you seen the new Star Wars Battlefront trailer? That's a video game. And I said, well, no, I haven't. And so I was, you know, had to apologize to these five junior high boys there that I was not as relevant as I should be. They said, you've got to put it up on the screens right now. And I said, okay, we'll put it up on the screens. And we put it up on the screens, and the most peculiar thing happened is a video began to play. These five junior high boys, too cool for school, mind you, well-dressed, wearing their cool tennis shoes and their, their kind of saggy shorts, they all of the sudden started jumping up and down and screaming like preschool kids promised that they were going to get ice cream. And I'm just in the back going, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And it was all I could do from, from burst out laughing at these junior high boys. You know, you can tell a lot about the things people care about by how excited they get when they see them, right? Right? or when they begin to talk about them. And in the same way, you can tell how much somebody cares about something by how devastated they are when that thing is taken away from them. Around that same time, something tragic happened. Something devastated, devastating happened. The news that a band member was leaving the band. Have you heard of One Direction? Of course you have. You're all big fans, right? When Zayn Malik announced that he was going to leave the band, it was it sent shockwaves through the interwebs. People were devastated. There was one video in particular, it's probably still on YouTube, it was a compil compilation of responses that people had to the news that this guy was leaving the band, and people were sobbing 
uncontrollably. I mean, as if they, they just, their puppy died or their grandmother just died or the best friend or something like that. Satan is leaving. One girl said, you know what, I just, just, I just need you to know uh, my blog about One Direction. Well, I'm going to continue to blog as if Zane is still in the band because I just can't take it. I'm sorry. That's just me. People were devastated. They were saying, I love you, Zane. I love you. I love you. One person said, you know, I don't, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to live anymore. And I thought, really? Really? I mean, this is a band we're talking about. These guys, the world has survived without them for thousands of years, and it will survive without them long after they're gone. What big difference have they really made in your life? You know, once they broke up, once they break up, there's just going to be another band. There's just going to be another group that becomes more popular, and everyone you know, cries and weeps over them. Really? You're that excited? The things people care about the most, they often wrap their lives around, don't they? I want to be all about this thing. They center their focus on them. They zero in on them. They try to align their lives with those things. It's what they think about. If it's a band, well, they're trying to dress like the band members. They're getting their hairstyles. They're just getting tattoos. They're, they're reading about them. They're digesting gobs and gobs of information about them. They spend their money on them. They devote themselves to getting closer to them or knowing more and more about them. A new album comes out. They don't check how much money is in their pocketbook. They don't check how much money is on their credit card. It doesn't matter. I just need that album. I have to have it to feel normal, to feel right. Why do they do it? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons is because they enjoy it. Duh. They enjoy it. Something inside of them longs to focus on something that is, that is big, something that is awesome, something that is exciting, something that is maybe more fabulous than they are themselves. And I think that's built into every single one of us. A, a, a desire to see something that is bigger than us and go, wow, that is awesome. To point to something and say, wow, it's awesome. I need to fill that hole in my life with this thing. And we see examples of that all over the place, don't we? All over the place. We, we see that with, with beautiful people. I mean, some people see that, that guy or that girl and they go, whoa, that person is really, really good looking. Or, or, or people get excited about great stories. I love great stories or, or dazzling special effects or in incredible displays of athletic about ability. Did you see that play? Did you watch the game? Did you see that? It was incredible. It was amazing. What about uh, new phones? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is amazing, isn't it? You know, people get so excited about these new devices, and it, it's always the new one, the latest, the greatest, the bigger one, the higher resolution one, the one can, that can do X, Y, and Z that the other phones didn't do before. They get all excited about them. They have to have them, and they'll line up for them, sometimes hours, sometimes days, and they're camping out in front of the store just so we can have the latest and greatest phone before the other people get it. And then when they get the phone, what do they do? Well, they have to take selfies of them getting it, right? Look, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Do you see me with my new phone? Some people, it's, it's a video game. Some people, it's pets. Some people, it's food. You might be in this room, one of those people that gets really excited about food. Yeah? Admit it. 
Admit it. And you hear about that great new restaurant, and you're like, okay, you know, you try to brush it off as, all right, well, you know, maybe I'll check that out sometime. The next day, you're over there in line waiting to get in. You sit down, and you eat the food, and it is every bit as good as they said it was, and you are blown away by it. I have to tell someone about this. So you're taking pictures of your food. You're throwing it up on social media. You're calling your friends. Hey, when can we go? We got to get there. We got to get to this restaurant because this is awesome. I mean, we could go on and on, couldn't we? On and on and on about different things. We have this built-in desire inside to gravitate towards, to get excited about something that is bigger, something that is better, something that is more exciting than ourselves. We need to, we need, we need to talk about it. We need it. We want to experience it. We want to share it with others. Everyone's got something they find themselves drawn towards. And it takes on different forms. And a response to those things is, is, is different. You know, there are actually a ton of examples in the Bible of this very same thing. If you look at the book of Psalms, you will see this over and over and over again. Here are just a few examples of that. Psalm 42, 1 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Let's look at another one here. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. How about Psalm 34, 8? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. When you read the book of Psalms in the Bible, you see people craving God as they crave things like water or things like delicious food. Have you ever been really, really hungry? Really, really really thirsty? You've gotten so thirsty that your throat dries out and you're just like, I gotta gotta have water, I need it right now. Or you get so hungry, maybe you miss breakfast, you miss lunch, and now you're driving to the restaurant as fast as you can legally, right? You're swerving in and out of traffic, you stop at a light and you're like, please, come on, I gotta get food. Your stomach is shrinking, it's cramping, you have to have it. This is how people in the Psalms were craving God they got to have him. They can't get enough of him. How are we going to get more of him? If they could just gaze on his beauty for the rest of their lives, well, they would do it. If, if they could just learn more about his amazing character, they would do it. If they could align their lives or make themselves look more and more like him, well, they would do it. If there's anything that would pull them away or distract their focus from him, they'd run from it. They'd run from it. Because there's one thing that their life was centered on. Why? Why is their life centered on God? And here's the one thing that we got to take away today. Because God is the original and only source of lasting joy and satisfaction. Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what's driving them. Are these people crazy? Are they nuts? 
Is it wrong to get that excited about something or someone? Is it crazy to center your whole life in around something that brings you pleasure? Well, not according to the Bible. In fact, people are actually commanded to do it in the Bible. Seriously, people are commanded to do it? Yes. Check this out, Psalm 37. Delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Focus in on that first word, delight. What does delight mean? It means to take great pleasure in. What, is it, what kind of form is this word taking in this verse here? Well, it's, it's, it's a command. This verse turns into a promise here. Take great pleasure in, the Bible says. Enjoy this, the Bible says. The Bible is commanding you, enjoy, make your one true pursuit delighting in God. It's like when I was about 10 years old. I don't know if my daughter knows this. Went to the toy store, and I loved the, the remote control area of Toys R Us. And we walked by, and they had something new, something that I'd never seen before, and I knew I had to have this thing, radio control submarine. And I told my parents, I hung on them, please, please, can I have this? My birthday's coming up. I want this submarine. They came, unwrapping all the packages, Get the big one, the big box, and you start to shake a little bit. I think this is it. Wait, wait. Yes, the weight is right. It's got, I can tell there's styrofoam in there. There's something big moving around in here. And I open it up, and I see white, and I see yellow, and I see the little, the little tower on it, and I see the, the little glass uh, window up in front, and I turned into that preschooler promised ice cream, and I just started jumping up and down so excited. I put the batteries in this thing. I carefully set it in the pool, and it was amazing. This thing, and you've never seen anything like this. It went right, and it went left, and it went down, and it actually came back up. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And I played with that thing as long as I possibly could until the batteries ran dry. And then I carefully pulled it out. It dried the thing off, pulled those batteries out so they didn't corrode. And then I set it up on its stand up on my dresser. If it was a plush toy, I would have taken it to bed with me. But I remember that night I was laying down in my bed and I just couldn't go to sleep. Couldn't take my eyes off of it. I was absolutely captivated by this plastic toy, this radio control submarine. It captivated me. Can I ask you a question? What captivates you? What is begging for your life's attention that's calling you to focus on? What gets you excited? What is it that you care about? You know what it is? You, you, you got it in your brain? You got it? Good. Okay. Now let me ask you this. How satisfied are you with that thing right now? And if you don't have it yet, how satisfied do you think you're going to be with it? And then how satisfied do you think after you get it, maybe 10 years after, maybe 20 years after, how satisfied are you going to be with that thing? There's an Irish playwright, Oscar Wilde. He wrote this. There are two tragedies in life. One is getting what one wants. You know what the other is? The other is getting it. It's getting it. 
When you don't get what you want, you're never satisfied. You want it, right? Back in the day, my kids don't know about this, but back in the day, we've received something in the mail called the JCPenney catalog. It didn't take us very long to flip to the very back of that, and that's the toy section, and we would see all of the things that we are missing. We need those things, and so we'd get our, our magic markers, and we would circle those things. We would highlight them. We would show them to our parents. This is what we want for Christmas, and then we'd have to wait four excruciating months until that day. We weren't satisfied because we didn't have what we wanted, but then comes the day when you get what you wanted. And you're excited about it for a couple minutes, maybe a couple hours, maybe a couple days, but you have it and you realize this isn't quite what I thought it was. What else is there? What else is out there? What's the problem here? The problem is not with the wanting, is it? It's not with the wanting. When I'm hungry, it, 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 hunger is not my problem. It's not like I, I need to say, bad hunger, bad. you got to get rid of that hunger. That desire is a bad desire. No, that's not a bad desire. The problem is with what is being wanted, right? Because if I'm hungry and the only thing I want is Cheetos and ice cream, well then, there's a problem with that. I should be wanting healthy food. The hunger is not the problem. It's what I want that is the problem. The Cheetos and ice cream, they're going to be delicious at first, and then they're going to make my body melt and decay like some type of Indiana Jones thing. It's not good. Here's the reality. The reality is this. People are designed, you and I are designed to have our joy, our satisfaction met in one place. And that is God. But we've turned away from him. We've ran after all sorts of different things, millions of other things that we thought, maybe this will satisfy my craving. Maybe this. I, you know, yeah, maybe God, nah, maybe not. Let's look, run after all of these other things. But nothing satisfies. And this is where Oscar Wilde comes in. They got what they wanted. People get what they wanted so often. You see this in celebrities all the time. You get what you want but it didn't satisfy. Because nothing is as satisfying as the satisfaction that you find in God, that you were designed to find in God. Jonathan Edwards, one of the, America's greatest thinkers, he wrote this, God is the highest good of the reasonable creature. The enjoyment of him is our proper and is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven... To fully enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here. Better than fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children, or the company of any or all earthly friends. These are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but sacred, scattered beams. But God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. Isn't that good? He's saying that all things that we might desire. He lists off several different types of relationships. I could add in their stuff. I could add in their status, fame, power, money, you name it. All those things are not satisfying. They're just shadows of the lasting enjoyment that you and I are meant to experience in God. My hunger pains, they come about three times a day. Actually, they, for me, they come about six times a day. I don't know what they do for you. 
And I eat food, and it satisfies it for a moment, and then it disappears. But that momentary satisfaction, it should not be an end in and of itself. It should remind me, it should tell me that there is a greater satisfaction. There is one and only one who truly satisfies. Why is God the only source of lasting joy and satisfaction? Why is that? Well, it's because of who God is. Can I tell you a little bit about who God is? Well, God doesn't need anything, does he? He always existed. He has no limit to his being. He's completely satisfied with himself, and nothing outside of, is outside of his control. Think about this. Why do you get bored with so many things in life? Why do we get bored with our stuff? Well, one, because it wears out. It gets old. Our clothes that we bought, well, they were nice at first, but now they're fading. Now they shrunk too small. Right, they shrunk. <laughs> or you found out that these things that we were looking forward to or excited about, well, they were never really all that impressive. Or maybe we learned everything there is to know about them, and we're just, okay, I, I crave something more. Or, you know, you're, you, you saw the commercial, you thought they, was, they were able to do all these great things, and you realize, oh, they, they aren't as impressive as I, I thought these things were. Or you got tired of how much work it takes to keep these things up, to keep them running, right? Oh, my goodness, this is a lot of work. Or you found something better, something more interesting, something newer, maybe someone younger. God's not like that. God is not like that. God has always been and always will be. He never wears out. There's no limit to his power. He's the best of any good that there is out there. You can never finish learning about him because he just goes on and on and on. He's infinite. He's the source of everything good that there is, and there's nothing good that he cannot do. And there's nothing better, nothing more interesting, nothing more excitement-inducing than he himself. Listen to Isaiah 46. I am God. There is no other. In other words, except no substitutes. There's only me. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. I'm God and there's no one like me. What I say goes. You can take it to the bank. I make promises. You, I guarantee you I'm going to keep those promises. Find your satisfaction in me. There's no one like him. You know, God, another interesting thing about God is God doesn't get bored with himself. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bizarre thing. How long do you look in the mirror in the morning? You look in the mirror. Maybe there was a time when you looked in the mirror and you, and, and you, you just went, whoa, hey, I know you. Oh, I know you. I know you. You know, you are looking good today. How many, how many of you do that, right? You do that. And how long does that last? For me, it's only, it's only about 30 minutes or so. Just kidding. It's, it's like, no, it's not even 30 seconds, and it's not even three seconds. I am not impressed with myself. I get bored with myself very, very quickly. Have you ever looked in the mirror in the morning, and, and you take a glance, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm okay, and then you go, whoa, I need to do some work here. How can I cover this thing up? That's more me. 
I get bored with myself really, really fast. God never gets bored with himself. He has been with himself for all eternity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they've always existed in perfect union with one another from all eternity past. Perfect satisfaction with one another. Absolute, total joy. This is glorious. Pedal to the metal. Excitement doesn't wear off. God is completely and utterly always satisfied with himself. Does that sound a little weird? It sounds a little weird when you think about it, doesn't it? Just think if you did that. You took a selfie of yourself and you just stared at it. <laughs> wow. I am. The world's been waiting a long time for this. Look out, world. Here I am. I finally arrived. You'd look at a person like that or you know, you'd say, this person's crazy. They're delirious. This is, this is some type of narcissist. This person has issues. Why is that? Because we all know that person is not God's gift to the world. We all know that person isn't the greatest thing since sliced bread. We all know that this isn't the end-all, be-all. They're not that special. They're just like us, and they're just going to get old and wrinkly and fall apart like the rest of us. God isn't like that. There's no one better than him. He keeps going on and on and on. He's infinite. He's perfect. He is amazing. And if God didn't look at himself and be completely satisfied with himself, maybe he started looking outside of himself for something else that was impressive, someone better, something, something more impressive than he, well, then he'd be wrong. He'd be wrong. If God looked at um, Corey... I love to pick on Corey. If God looked at Corey and said, you know what, this finally, finally, the ideal man right here, Corey. You know what, I'm just going to focus my attention on Corey. I'm just going to lay in bed at night and, and look at Corey's picture. I'm just going to center my entire existence on Corey because, wow, I mean, really, can you see this man? He's amazing. God doesn't do that. If God did that, God would be absolutely wrong. Why? Because Corey is not that impressive. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Corey. <laughs> Corey's, Corey's not infinite. He's not perfect. He's flawed, just like me. You know, the only reason that God created you, it wasn't because he needed you. It wasn't because he was sitting up there in heaven and saying, I'm so bored. I just, I'm so lonely. If only I had a Corey. If only I had so-and-so or so-and-so. I got to create just to, to bring more fullness to my existence. No. God's not like that. He's completely satisfied in and of himself. He made you and I so that we could be brought in to that glorious reality that we might experience him and be in awe of him because that if he's the greatest thing that there ever has been ever will be then the best thing he could possibly do is to share himself with others so that others might get to enjoy him and experience him his great love was shown to us 
when we traded our passions and our pleasures for other things. Paul says this, we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. God's love, God's great love was shown to us in that while we were hopelessly wandering around searching for other things to satisfy us, he sent Jesus Christ not only to save us from the punishment of our sin, but to, that we might have our relationship that has been broken with him restored. Jesus didn't come just to save us from the fires of hell. He came that we might be counted among those who find their joy and satisfaction in God. Are you finding, are you searching for your joy and satisfaction in God? So often I think we, we, we feel like we need to just get our ticket. We get our ticket to heaven, okay, we're good. Now we're going to go search for joy and satisfaction all other places. That's not the right thing to do. We're to be among those who are counted, who are blown away by who he is, who, who know that abundant life is found in him and him alone, who've tasted and have seen that the Lord is good, who, who cry out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Those who understand what Jesus did on the cross, they don't just see God as someone who gives them good things. There was one pastor I listened to years ago who said, you know, God is not a cosmic vending machine. You, you, you see there what, what he has to offer you, and you like toss up your prayers, just like slipping in your credit card into that machine, or your coins, or your crinkled dollar bill, trying to get it to go through. God, please give me what I want. Oh, God, you give me all these wonderful things. God, you're so good. God, you're so great. Thank you for this food. God's not a genie. God wants you to see that it's not the good things that he gives you that are to be cherished. They're just to point you to himself and how good he is. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered it up. Then what did he do? Well, he in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. He looks at all he's amassed, all he's earned for himself, all the things he's purchased for himself to make his life great, significant, or whatever. And he says, all these things, I just hawk them, just sell them, put them up on eBay. i got to get rid of these things. Anything I can do to buy the field, because he realizes that what is in the field is the most precious, the most valuable, far surpasses anything else that life has to offer. God himself is the treasure above all treasures. If we realized how valuable he is, we'd gladly just give up everything else. I don't care. I have God. This is the most precious. Take everything. Take everything I have because this is what I have been thirsting for. This is what I've been hungry for. He's the only source of lasting joy and satisfaction. What is your life centered on? What is your focus? What are you all about? What are you looking for to bring you joy and satisfaction. What is it you care about? If you're looking for lasting joy and satisfaction, look no further than God himself. That's it. Lord, we, we thank you for creating us 
that we might have the experience to have the, po- the potential to know you and be flabbergasted and blown away by you. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in the days ahead in such a way that just leaves us spellbound and awestruck because, Lord, you are the original, the ultimate good, the original and only source of lasting joy and satisfaction. Draw us to yourself, Lord. Take our eyes off of all the other things that distract us, that try to to, to lead us astray, to lead us to be impressed by them, Lord, There's only one good, and that's you. We love you. We confess that to you. Draw us to yourself, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.